Hey guys, it's Sarah. I'm here to talk to you about my coffee addiction again. Thank you for letting me do this because I love this coffee. It's so good. And you do not have to take my word for it. The reviews are in. Jeanette says, this coffee is very smooth, no bitter aftertaste. And best of all, it does not upset my stomach after drinking the coffee, which is Exactly what I've been telling you. I promise. It's great coffee. Um, Joanna says, I enjoy the coffee. It's smooth and I like the low acidity since I have a sensitive stomach. Something that I haven't really touched on yet is that because this coffee has such low acid, um, and I'm sure there's some super cool scientific situation about that, but I could not tell you as of right this second that the coffee is low acid, so it's not going to upset your stomach if you have sensitive, like, stomach issues okay which I I love that for you I love that for me and I don't just sit here and tell you guys about life who's I actually do go out in the world and end up finding myself just telling people about it not because I you know, and part of the cult, but because I really genuinely believe in this product, okay? I found myself doing it for my, like, to my brother, giving him the spiel, doing it to a complete stranger. Um, granted, I maybe had a couple of trulies in my system, but, you know, drunk, sober, or somewhere in between, I still feel the same about Life Boost. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And actually, Father's Day is coming up, and um, I got my dad a mug for his birthday and I am going to give him some life boost he's he doesn't listen so he's not going to be like oh no you ruined the surprise uh and he doesn't talk like that so whatever uh but I'm going to give him some life boost because he deserves it he works hard and it's a nice present to go into his mug so if you have someone special in your life and you're thinking about getting them some life boost, why not save yourself 20% with our unmasked code? That is unmasked, U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D for 20% off of your first order of life boost. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Have a great day and I will talk to you soon because I'm going to be on the podcast. Huzzah! <laughs> What's up, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Unmasked, the podcast. Was that a good intro? I was literally going to be like, <laughs> did you practice that last night? What the hell? No, I just kind of like, just threw it out there. I was, I was trying something different. Uh, today we have Caleb Cox on the podcast. Caleb is a uh, purple belt, a race car guy. What do you a do? race what do you, car guy? A race car guy. Amazing. What do you, what do, you do uh, race car wise? Uh, race car wise, I'm the general manager of Cruz Petragon Racing, which is a Nitro Funny Car team. Um, they compete in the NHRA, the National Hot Rod Association. Uh, our car, just for kind of like layman's terms for people, uh, we race a thousand foot track, so 300 feet less than a quarter mile, and we'll run about 3.9 seconds at 330 miles an hour. Holy shit! 330. Yep. What the fuck? What does that feel like? <laughs> uh, so, initial uh, initial launch of the car is about two and a half G forces. Once you're in the middle of the track, it's about five and a half G forces, oh which God. is more than an astronaut will feel um, on a shuttle launch. And then when the parachutes deploy, or when Cruise pulls the parachutes, it's about negative 
six and a half G's. So it's about 150 to 175 mile an hour deceleration in a tenth of a second. So your like insides go from the very back of you to the very front of you in like. So if you're not strapped down tight enough, which we're we're wearing a seven point harness, um, it'll detach your retinas from your Holy eyes. Holy shit! Yeah. Seven point? Yep. Like where did where do you even attach that at? <laughs> right in the center of your belly button. Jesus Christ! So you have so. Uh, you're, but what is okay? So you were like, if you are not strapped down, it'll detach your retinas. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your retinas in place with seven points that are not touching your face? Well, you have seven point harness, so you're strapped in so tight. Um, the the best way for like jujitsu people that I could think of is think of like the ultra heavyweight sitting on your chest, okay, and trying to breathe <laughs> that way. So strapped into the race car you can't take a full breath you have to learn how to breathe in small little increments oh wow and you are like your hands can't move higher than a couple inches i mean you're strapped into the point where you cannot move which is good (laughs) well then what's like are they actually driving the car you're just going in a straight line then so uh our car produces 11,000 horsepower, so... What the fuck? It's about 12, 1,250 horsepower per cylinder, eight-cylinder car. So let's say we're, we're driving down the track, and we put a cylinder out, meaning that one cylinder is either have too much fuel or not enough fuel going through it, and it kills the cylinder. So think about, you know, you're driving a car or driving a boat, and you take the anchor and just throw it out real quick and it shoots you across so this car accelerates quicker than your mind can react so you have to stay in front of the car the entire time well you have to make that determination of do i stay in the throttle can i bring the car back or am i going to bounce off the wall you got to make it in a split second decision which we wrecked a car friday night or yeah friday night on our very first run so it's one of those things that you know these cars react and move so quick like you see Tesla had something that they have a car that goes zero to 60 in two seconds. Well, our car goes zero to 60 in two tenths of a second, or zero to 280 miles an hour in 2.2 seconds. So, Jesus Christ. So the acceleration <laughs> is, is mind boggling, and that's why you're strapped in so tight. And your man, especially how short wheelbase these cars are, they're only 180 inches. You're manhandling this thing hand over fist all the way down the track. So, not once do they go straight. That's Holy so insane. Because it's constantly trying. I mean, it's not going to stay in Australia. You have to constantly be in control. You have to. And you have a groove that's probably a tire width wide, which uh, about 18 to 24 inches wide on each side. So you get out of that. You can spin the tires. Plus, you have basically a bomb sitting in front of you. Right. Something that doesn't have any. It doesn't have a radiator, so it has nothing to cool it. You're burning at idle. Our car burns a gallon of fuel every 12 seconds at wild, wide open throttle. It's about three and a half gallons a second. Um, and we burn nitromethane, which is not as combustible as gasoline, but it produces its own oxygen. Timothy McVeigh actually bought a drum of nitromethane from an NHRA track before the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh my God. Mix it with diesel fuel. So, what nitromethane, you can take it and Let's say you put it in your hand, you can light it, and it's not going to burn. But if you put a lighter to it and hit it with a hammer, it'll combust and explode. Oh, so shit. that's what makes it more powerful, pound for pound. 
That's really fucking wild. Cool. But now you're strapped into it, and if that yeah, thing explodes with right. you in it, right. <laughs> there will not be any so pieces of you, you left. Prevent, because if it's going to hit, I mean, you just said you crashed a car. Like, mm-hmm. how do you prevent it from then getting crashed into? You just, that's all on the driver. I mean, we're. That's on the driver. The good, good thing with Cru- so the good thing with Cruz is he owns the team. He is the driver. He's won two world championships. This is his thirty thirtieth professional year of driving. So, I mean, he's been on fire more times than none. He's been blown up. He's driven every type of car there is. So, uh, thankfully, we have the best driver probably in the game. And you know, things do happen. So there's some things that you can't control. And one of those things, and he said it in his interview later on TV, is just. One of, the th- one of those things where I kept my foot down a little longer than I should have, and that split second is the difference between wrecking a $60,000 body or not. So one of those things that I'll have to go back and fix this week before we go to Ohio in two weeks, but Holy yeah, shit. it's part of it. That's so cool, though. How do you cool a vehicle down if you're not using... So we pump enough fuel through it. So we have a fuel pump on the car that pumps 115 gallons a minute. Okay. So it's just the way it, try to take a uh, a jug of milk and just try to dump it all out. So we're trying to dump that much a second, three of those a second. Okay. So the more fuel you burn, the cooler the motor tries to be, but we only have a 20 gallon fuel tank. So it's all timing. You're waiting for another guy. You have to do the burnout. You have to back up then you have to run. So if you picture the tank is clear, it's constantly just lowering itself, lowering itself, lowering itself. And we've cro- I've crossed the finish line twice with no fuel in it and blew it to kingdom come. And it's, a, <laughs> it's a nice looking fireball. Holy That's so shit. Crazy. That's so cool that, that you have. So is it a team? When you say team, are you all mechanical engineers then? Or who is We're on not the team? Mechanical engineers. Well, I just like some just, wacky. Most, like, most of these guys. <laughs> So drag racing is it's not like people like, you find on the street who like to go fast. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Right. I want to go fast. <laughs> so it's not like people think you know you need to be a mechanical engineer or this or that. That's more of the F1 IndyCar side. Drag racing is assemble, drive, put things together so everybody has a CDL. They're all truck drivers. Um, we all like everyone thinks that pit crews fly in, fly out, and do this and that. I mean, we drive the trucks to each event. We set up the awnings. We set up the floors. We work on the car, break it all down, drive it. We're like a traveling circus. Um, getting into it, I mean, it's not as difficult as it may seem. It's just like any other professional sport. You kind of have to know somebody to get your foot in the door. It's a right. It's a real close-knit group. I'm sure. Um, but still, there's... You know, there, there's plenty of different ways. I mean, I've hired guys who were uh, loans and finance bankers. I hired a guy off of at the racetrack one time. We had a guy quit Friday night and just left the track. And a guy who I had met in previous years was out there and told me the day before. He goes, hey, man, if you need, need anything, I'm out at the track. Well, I found him the next morning. I said, hey, Toby, you want a job? I just had a guy quit. You want to jump on the car for the weekend? He's never worked on a nitro car before. But, you know, throw it in, it's trial by fire. No matter how many, you know, classes you take, whether you go to UTI or NASCAR Tech or whatever, we're going to unteach you everything that you learned because it's yeah. probably wrong. And your mistakes could be the difference between life and death with crews in the car. So, whatever, that's why we can take anybody off the street 
and you have to learn our way on how to do everything. It's all a process. It's like I'm not mechanically inclined. I mean, I got to race motocross for 12 years. My dad's a diesel mechanic and loves drag racing, but I couldn't tell you much about putting things together, but when it comes to the race car, it's a process. It's just like doing jiu-jitsu. There's a process and a step for every single thing that you do. Same thing with the race car. You put the heads on the certain way. You put the bolts in a certain way. You torque them to this exact measurement. Jiu-jitsu, you pass guard by opening your certain steps. You get to side control by pushing to these certain steps. Then you go to mount. So it's all a big old process, and that's why you can take anybody and basically plug and play after a while. Nice. Let's see. Yeah, I thought it was like, uh, well, you go to college for, for six years, <laughs> learn how to work on cars or some sort of trade school or something like that, like, so I was like, I was like, Caleb is a fucking goofy ass guy, but he's actually smart. <laughs> I would have wasted my college degrees if I was working on race cars. Oh really? Oh yeah, I got a so I have a degree in sports management and I got a degree in marketing from Indiana State. So I mean, I kind of do that using the business side of the crews, but you know, the the mechanical side is more of just learning after ten years of doing it. Ten years of being around it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that because okay, so one thing for our listeners, Caleb made our logo, our fucking awesome yes. logo, and he made it in like five minutes. So like what, like was that something you did like in college or what's? I start, so I I took a Photoshop class in in high school and kind of was just interested in doing that, and I always had the kind of just the interest of playing around with Photoshop, but. Uh, Kind of rest of it's all self-learned, self-taught. Okay. Um, so I do. I've done like mixtape covers. I do a bunch of just like posters, flyers, bunch of jujitsu stuff. Whose mixtape did you do? Uh, DJ Kerry Hayes. Does he? Did you ever get handed like a CD that you like? I did the photo cover. No, I, <laughs> I did. Uh, I did uh, while I was in college. And the NCAA can't get me for this because because I'm, I'm way past out of college now. But when I was playing, one of the uh, an agent from Florida had me build some marketing decks for his uh, for his athletes for a couple of professional football players. So got paid for that, which is technically illegal in college. But no, who cares? <laughs> well, we won't disclose what college or what. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm past the statute of limitations. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's so pretty cool. what did you find first, jiu-jitsu or racing? And how, I mean, you kind of explained a little bit like how they go together, but do you find yourself using one in an aspect more than the other? Uh, it's, they kind of all went around almost the same time. I had, when I was done playing college football, I kind of started training to fight full time. And at Indiana State, that's where I met uh, Dr. Winkle, and I was training with Dave Madman McManus and Justin Curtis and Chris Blevins and these guys. So, kind of just I was training to fight. That's where you know, I had a couple amateur fights and was working out with all these guys. And then when I graduated, went back home. You know, I needed a job, and there wasn't a gym yet. So. The race teams were right there. My dad's been a drag racing fan his entire life and has been to the race in Indy since 1978. So I'd been out to the drag races all the time. So it's kind of, you know, about the same time, same place type of thing. Um, but yeah, I, 
it's their correlation. I mean, they're basically about the same. It's the process, the keys, how to use one thing, and you can use anything that you've learned in jujitsu, your daily life, how to, you know, t tackle problems, how to break down situations. So use a lot of that from day to day. Neat. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> That's cool. So what is, is that what kind of got you, I mean, when you started the racing, is that why you kind of just like, did you just not want to not want to fight anymore after that because you liked what you do or it was well it was tough because racing i'm on the road about 215 days a year yeah you're yeah you're never home so <laughs> for the last nine years i've been on the road forever so if i was gonna do like i, I took one fight the guy didn't show up to weigh-ins but it was trying to do a training camp on the road where you know, I'm working from Monday through Sunday, 15 to 20 hours, maybe get to train. And it's not like I have training partners out at the track. It's like yeah. shadow boxing and running. It's not like I'm learning anything. So it, it wasn't smart. And I've done so much damage to my body from, you know, I played football for 22 years. I got to play all the way up to the division one level. Um, I raced motocross for nine years. It's like, those are all really fucking hard sports. <laughs> um, they, like my hands are jacked. I've had X amount of concussions. I mean, my shoulders are. Anybody who knows me, my shoulders will fall out at the blink of an eye. Like, yeah, my shoulders are terrible. So, you know, I personally get more enjoyment now of just coaching and watching newer people come in and helping them build up their skills. Um, now, I'd like to. I'm going to stick to the coaching role. I might, like, I competed at the IBJJF Indy. That's my first competition, IBJJF competition since I was a white belt. Um, so it, it's kind of weird. I didn't have that killer instinct like I normally would, but I'm still trying to figure it out. If I kind of, if I still want to compete, if I don't, because there's, I have just so many things on the table that I want to do. Yeah. Gym, well, if it's not your. Yeah, it's hard when it's not, like, your main focus. When you've got a lot of other, mm -hmm. like, you know, hands in other cookie jars, yeah. you know? So, like, it's – I get it. So, like, when I fought for so when I fought for Coliseum Combat, um, that was my final semester of college. And I was training – I had one class during the week. One class. So, I'd get to train two, two times a day. Yeah. Every day. Fuck yeah, that's in, the way to do it. In a collegiate yeah. weight room with with a bunch of other fighters, and that's that was the perfect scenario. And I got to do that for two camps, fought Coliseum Combat and fought at Griggs, and then kind of like once the real world kicked in of having a job and traveling and all that, then it was kind of like those ambitions kind of went out the window. Yeah, you probably don't have time to pop in at any other gyms either when you're traveling, right? No, because it's like, let's say we race, I mean, we, we race Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we tear down Monday and service everything, drive to the next spot. So depending where we're at in the circuit, let's say we're racing in Denver. Well, the next race will be Sonoma, California, which is about a thousand miles from Denver. Yeah. So you drive all day Tuesday and Wednesday. Set up Thursday, race Friday, Saturday, Sunday, tear down Monday, drive to Seattle, mm -hmm. do the same process over and over, 
drive from Seattle after the next time all the way to Norwalk, Ohio for during your off weekend for a match race to make some extra money, then you might have, I think between, between May and November, we have a total of three off weekends. Yikes. Jesus. So, so basically, you're just driving forever and ever. Driving or if, you know, me being on the business side too, if there's the SEMA show in Las Vegas or if we have a sponsorship thing we have to go to and fly to. I mean, the good, I mean, the perks about the job are, are awesome. I have, I've known, you get to done a ton of things, been invited to Saudi Arabia, been invited to Australia, been invited to Europe, um, made friends with a lot of athletes and celebrities. Yeah, and I'm jealous of some of the people you get to meet. Yeah, because remember when you met Chuck and Tito right before they had their third fight? I did. <laughs> Which I did. probably had to have been an experience. I and mean, I, got, I actually had tickets to that fight, but I flew home. and Cruz went to the fight, but I flew home. Um, yeah, Meeting Tito was pretty cool. He uh, he has a ginormous head. <laughs> Chuck Chuck looked out of it. Um, well, he's seventy and was still trying to fight. So Randy, Randy Couture has some monster grips. Uh, Bill Goldberg let me stay at his house for a week. That's pretty cool. Um, Killer Mike is an awesome dude. Man, he texts me all the time. I was real jealous of that. Like he's so he's nicest human being of all time and. I get to text him once in a while, and I try not to uh, try not to bug him enough. But he, let's see, I hung out with him in Atlanta this year, and then he came to Houston. Uh, Booker T's brother Stevie Ray, just list goes on and on. Just been blessed to yeah. know and make these connections with all these people. Meet some really cool people, some fascinating people. You experience things, travel. I mean, granted, you're driving all the fucking time, which. I know that probably kind of blows, but uh, you get used to it. I mean, after. But but to enjoy what you do is is kind of the key factor, right? The the thing that I tell the young guys is, or when you have young guys on the team is, you know, enjoy it. You get to see coast to coast from Epping, New Hampshire, all to Maine to Seattle, down to SoCal, over to Florida. So you get to crisscross the country and see and experience a lot of things that most people don't get to. Yeah, that's super neat. You're not stuck in Hoboken, Indiana, which <laughs> I was thinking is like because you you live in Brownsburg, Avon. So I'm I live currently in Pittsburgh, but I grew up in Brownsburg. Okay, so Where but the fuck is Pittsburgh? just four miles, four miles west. Really close to Brownsburg, yeah. So kind of kind of in the boonies. I'm like, man, Caleb lives out in the fucking boonies, like in the middle of nothing. Live out in the. But then I'm fields. like, you probably like that because in your home you just want to be chill. And, yeah. Yeah, because when I'm when I'm, we're on the road, I mean, we're surrounded by thousands and thousands of people every day asking for autographs or pictures or this and that and questions and you know you you deal with a ton of you're on TV all the time and you get all this like I didn't go to the race this weekend I actually had this weekend off. Um, Cruz texted me. He goes, "Man, you're almost as popular as I am here. People are asking where you're at and this and that." It's, well, I guess that's kind of good, kind of bad. <laughs> as long as I don't owe anybody money, I'm I glad I'm not there. I don't know many people that get asked for their autograph. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a very small niche market that asks for my autograph. Yeah, well, you know, I think about that and I'm like, 
because I mean, you think about famous people. I used to think, you know, like famous people. Oh, that's that's like a that's like a crazy thing, you know. But then, I, like, I've met UFC fighters. You know, apparently, I know I know famous business business marketing racers. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So like, it's all perspective of like, is it something you enjoy? And like, you probably think that guy's cool because he does something you like professionally. You know, like I don't know many people that walk up to me and like, you that guy that packs door parts. You know, yeah, it's kind of, so, you know, it's kind of, it has its moments where it's like, you know, sometimes it's cool, but you know, sometimes it can be creepy. I get more enjoyment of it. it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do it to be, be famous or cool or anything. I just like, you know, enjoying people. Like if there's a kid who's standing at the ropes or, or something like that. And I remember when I was a little kid going to races or being around race cars and you know, just kind of fascinated with them. So if there's a kid and there's an opportunity, man, I'll take that kid and I'll put him in the race car, let him sit in there and check it out or, you know, give him a broken part or something like that. Something where he can remember and be like, man, this was kind of cool. And, you know, that happens all the time. And then, you know, you get your face on TV once or twice and people think they know you and then they yeah. blow up your social media. I seen like, that oh, guy. Oh, I seen him. I gotta quit having social media followers. It's done. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? That people are like, like really bug you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dude, I get text messages. I, I I just give out my cell phone to like very close knit people because if it goes out, then it's just like wildfire. But my direct messages are always blown up. My Twitter feed's always blown up. But kind of depends on just race weekend. So it's not like I'm not like Brad Pitt where I have. 40 something million people telling me. You're obviously Brad Pitt. I'm just as sexy as Brad Pitt. I I was going to comment and say that, but you took the words right out of my mouth. My wife tells me that all the time. (laughs) My mom says I'm her handsome little man. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. That, yeah, I, because, you know, I'm not getting like super popular on Instagram, but I'm starting to gain a little bit of like traction. Let him have his fun. Let me have my moment. All right. And sometimes, like, people message me, you know, and like people that I don't talk to very often or or haven't ever spoken to in my life, you know, or they'll reply to some stupid meme I shared or something like that. Sometimes, yeah, it can, you know, if you do get a lot all at once, it could be exhausting. But I can't imagine having, like, you know, go from like 2,000 followers to 20,000 overnight. Yeah. And you're just like, it's your third or fourth year in the sport and kind of don't know how to handle it. And Yeah. I, I got to do something like my balls is hot or something. To... Yeah. You brought jorts out? <laughs> I did wear jorts. Got to wear jorts. On my last one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't imagine. That's crazy. Just, I mean, and you know, it's nothing I know anything about. So like, you know, I, I don't follow any of those. I don't follow any kind of racing, you know. Unless I it's... really don't. I feel like getting, like going and getting. So I'm getting my mechanics license right now. I'm in the process of it. It's so fun, but it's also like, it's interesting because everybody there is like, oh, like they flex and try to like tell me what kind of racers they know, and I'm just like, I honestly don't care. I'm like, I'm like, it's not that deep. I don't know. I'm like, I literally just want to fix 
people's cars. Like, I'm in it for a very different reason. For sure. Than I think a lot of the people in my class are, per se. But, like, it's funny when, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have friends who do racing things. And, like, we choke each other out. And by we, I mean he chokes me out. And Kate usually murders me. So, it's fine. But, um... But yeah, it's it's like it's so interesting to me. Whereas I would be like, oh, I've had people stop me on the street for theater productions that I've done, and you're like, I don't even know what the fuck show you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's a niche thing for everybody. It's like, you know, we go to we go to a dirt race, and nobody knows who I am. Everybody knows who my boss is, but I can go to jujitsu classes. People have no idea who Gordon Ryan is, or I could take him to the IBJJF right. and be right. like, hey, that's Gibson Saw, and people would be like, who's Gibson Saw? Right. It's just, you know, not everything's for everybody, and everybody has their own different plan of why they're doing things. Yeah, it, that was another thing, too. It's like, you know, I'm like, you know, I actually know, you know, some of these guys are, like, known in the sport, and, like, they're just, like, an average human. You know, like, growing up as a child, you know, I thought, like, you know, I don't know, the Green Power Ranger... <laughs> oh uh, yeah, he played because he played football at Indiana State. Um, Jason David Jason Frank. David Frank, yeah, that's super cool. Well, I think it's also interesting because, like, I think you even said like we don't. You want to come work for us? Just like come work for us, or we'll find you. Yeah. Because to me, I'm like, oh, that would be so fucking dope. But I'm gonna get all my like certification first, so that mm-hmm. I have something to put down. For sure. When in reality, I could be like, hey. I know what this is. This is a hey, whole range. I know Caleb. But no. get me in. You also <laughs> got to think about it like you're a professional athlete. So it's you don't have a, a yearly contract. You could, you could be day to day. I could hire you one day and fire you the next day. Right, right, So right. you always have to have a backup plan no matter what you're doing. This sport's not built for everybody. I've had, you know, I had an oil rigger from Houston, Texas who lasted a day. I've had all these guys who have all these certifications and all these reports. Ah, he's a great kid. Barely last a week or or go on the road for a couple weeks and they miss home or they miss the girlfriend or miss the wife or something like that. I mean, it's not built for everybody. As much as we travel, I mean, you are literally with the crew guys way more time than you're with your family. So it's got to be something that you're kind of, you know, you're down with. And a lot of these guys have families, have kids and you know, it's one of those sacrifices that you make, but it's like anything else. If you want to be a champion at whatever you set your sights to do, in whatever area of field you are, you have to be willing to sacrifice X things to achieve that goal. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing racing-wise is we're sacrificing family, friends, extracurriculars to focus on winning a championship. Yeah. So what... Um... So I guess like what is I guess like what is like um, retirement wise like what do you what's the plan I mean you know I mean because that's a, I mean I I know it's it's hard on the body to travel and be mm-hmm. on the road all that time like what's the what how long do people typically I you said Cruz has done this for thirty years Cruz has raced for thirty years but he's also he's not just the the driver he owns the race team okay which, which he drove. Was just the driver from 1992 till 99-2000, and then he built his own team. I mean, it's all based, it's like any motorsports in general, it's based off of how much money do you have or how much sponsorship money can you obtain. So that's another part of my job is obtaining sponsors, making sure that we're fully funded for a year, and we can continue to go out and race. Every time that car goes down the track, 
costs about ten grand, and we spend every penny of three million dollars a year. Oh Jesus wow! Christ. So I mean, and if you look at IndyCar and NASCAR, I mean, we're a fraction of what those guys spend. But Formula One, they have a five hundred million dollar budget for the year. Jesus Christ! So same. That's yeah, same. So it's about it's shoe budget. So your racing career is dependent on how long can you keep yourself alive with money. And okay. I know plenty of people. I've seen billionaires go broke racing. No There's shit. only one way to become a millionaire racing and start out a billionaire. Oh, okay. So basically, you only do it if you intend to, to lose some money. We're not, because we're not winning millions of dollars racing the car. So if we make, we make four qualifying runs, $10,000 a piece. That's if nothing happens. If we don't wreck a body or okay. a motor or something like that. Then you have four race day runs. So you have to win four times on race day. Think of it like the NCAA basketball tournament. 16 teams, one versus 16, single elimination. You got to win all four. So there's 80 grand. If we win the race, we win $50,000. Okay. So I'm negative 30. Damn. That's fast math. <laughs> That's insane. What do you... Uh, so what do you... What would you say the most... Like, aside from the sacrifice of family and friends and stuff like that, what would you consider the, like, top four things that you look for people when you have them on your team? Willingness to be coached. Okay. Because everybody wants to do it their own way. But when you have guys who have been doing it for 30 years, they have a better idea than what you're doing. <laughs> Naturally, yes. For of sure. Um, guys who are willing to take criticism. So not just coaching, but be like, hey, you know, if something happens on, on the car, let's say it's your part. Let's say you're doing uh, the bottom end. So you're building racks or you're checking cranks and, and cams and stuff like that. And you miss something and something happens and gonna get your ass chewed out like being able to take the criticism of hey man you just cost not only Cruz almost his life but say we blow a motor up well there's 60 grand that we just spent I mean it's not coming out of your pocket but it's coming out of us as a team right um dedication um being able to be focused because there's a lot of distractions out at the racetrack there's you know, there's fans, there's TV, there's photographers, there's women, there's anything that you can be distracted by, it's out there. I'd be fine because there's not really dogs out there, so I don't get distracted by women. There is a dog. Jim Head's got a dog. It's the most trained German Shepherd dog I've ever seen in my life. What? Great, See, I'm dog out. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> sorry, I gotta go pet this dog. There's this dog over here. Greatest sorry. dog of all time. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, do you guys have girls on your team? Yeah, so there's, um, not on my team in general, but there are a couple, um, there's a couple spread around. They're, they're few and far between. Um, Is it because they don't like getting chewed out by people? No, I mean, some of the... Because I would be like, I'm weeping now, goodbye. The, the three that I can think of are really, really good. The struggle becomes as a business, as I think of it as a general manager, is how do I get guys and girls, hotel situations, 
and all that figured out. Oh, okay. Because it, unless you're married to somebody on the team, do I trust somebody else on the team who's single, yeah. rooming with somebody else? Yeah. That has liability and legality all over it. So a lot of a lot of owners don't take that risk. The ones that are on those teams are on multi-car teams where they could like where they're paired up with like the PR girls where they the PR girls and um, the, the women crew room together and the guys are separate but there are some there's some badass women crew members and there's some badass women drivers out there huh so it's kind of like jiu-jitsu there's not as many there's not as many because yeah, but for like a different, a whole different, whole different reason. reason though. I was like, the legality thing pisses me off because I'm like, that's not something that, like, I get it. I completely understand. But I'm also like, you're underrepresenting an entire group of people who could potentially be really great on a team mm-hmm. because they don't get, you know, people don't get trusted to be in together. And I get it's like expensive, but like, it's I'm like, oh, that sucks. That's such... That's such a sucky reason. But I totally get it. It's just... um, But, like, then on that... So then I know Kate does stuff. What is the difference between all of the different... Like, what's main differences between what she does or what you guys do or, like... Because I don't understand any of it. And I'm like, NASCAR. So Kate, <laughs> Kate's an engineer. So okay. Kate sits there and crunches numbers and thinks of game plans and kind of like strategy for their cars because they run for four hours okay and they just make laps and laps and laps and how can we save fuel and how can we do this okay we bust our ass for four seconds of fun okay either goes or it doesn't okay so she's she's got time and preparation there's way more math and stuff involved with what she does we're kind of put it together and See what the sun does, see what the track's doing, and hope and pray and send it down the track. That's hilarious. That's so crazy. That's so insane. That's super fun, though. So then, that's, I mean, you don't even cross into, like, Daytona 500, like, NASCAR territory. It's it's totally a separate beast. The only, I like, thing that is the same is the fact that you guys are going fast in wheels. Yeah, the same. Well, I what I tell the NASCAR people is, our car produces more horsepower than the first fifteen cars at a NASCAR event. Okay. So we're we're about raw horsepower. How quick can you go a thousand feet or formally a quarter mile? NASCAR is who can have the best strategy to last three hundred laps. Okay. IndyCar, depending on the circuit or where you're at, same thing. So your your time at the track then, as far as like a like a race would go, then you're not sitting there for six hours while they run in a circle. You're just going straight for two seconds. We're going, yeah. So what's good about and what's good about our form of racing? So drag racing is open to everybody. So it's not just like the professionals. So you have the professional category, top fuel. Funny car, pro stock, pro stock motorcycle, professionals. Then you have sportsmen. Sportsmen are considered semi-professionals slash be like the difference between an amateur fight card and a professional fight card. So you have amateurs that race all day to us. 
So you could go out with your mom's minivan, race for the same trophy in your class oh my God, that we're please. racing for. So you'd be like, hey, my car can run 21 seconds. And let's say you're bracket racing. Well, if you can run your dial-in time, which is 21 seconds, be the closest to that number without going over four times, you win. Now, there are different classes, different types of cars, different modifications for the each class. I think there's 17 different classes, but there's only four, four or five professional classes. So there's an event going on all day. You don't have to stand up in the stands. You can go down, walk in the pits. Everything is up, so all the trailers are parked in. People can walk right up to the cars, watch us work on the cars. People, okay, I'm sold. I want to go. So, I want to go to a race. <laughs> so it's not like NASCAR or IndyCar where there's a giant barrier or you can't go on the inside of the track to look at people and talk with people. In drag racing, every ticket, every general mission ticket is a pit pass. And you get to go right up and have a conversation with me. It's like I, I invite people to the track all the time. And it's just like. They walk right up, and now we're having a conversation right in the back of the pit as I'm working on the car. And uh, that's so fun. Do you ever see anything that you guys do and perform, like statistically, or how you guys um, like fuel efficiency? I don't even know, like stuff like that. Do you ever see it then um, used in other racing forms? No. Mm-mm. Interesting. Not in ours because. We're, we're definitely not fuel efficient. Obviously. We're, we're trying we to already, we already, pump everything <laughs> out. We already talked about your 20 gallon that you just sort of like, blah. No, everything's, I'd say the only thing that's the same is we're racing. We're racing. Okay. Everything else is a completely different form. It might be a little bit different. It might be the difference between Sambo and Judo or Judo and Jiu Jitsu. They have similar items, but they're but it's not the same. But it's not But I think the different... But the thing is, is that, like, if you're using judo, you can use some of what you've learned in judo into jiu-jitsu. So you could probably say aerodynamics. Okay, okay. You could say aerodynamics, the difference from the bodies from, you know, testing. Each body has its own different aerodynamic capabilities. Now, we don't spend as much time as, let's say, the IndyCars team do. Right, okay. They, they spend... They have an aerodyne... They got an aerodyne room... Somewhere in Indy, it's like $500 an hour. Shit. We're just like, hey, we'll figure out what happens when it goes out there. <laughs> we'll play it off from there. So that's probably where you could be similar. Um, the motors are completely different. Everything, how everything else is basically completely different. It's like, we're not all prim and proper like the IndyCar and NASCAR guys. <laughs> so then, how do you, sorry, go ahead, I'm guarding questions. No, yeah, no, keep going, keep going. No, I was going to say, like, since you are also a coach for performance, like, how do you, I mean, coaching jiu-jitsu is very different, but, like, when you're coaching people who are competing, do you find yourself using kind of, like, the same strategy of talking to them, or is it, like, a whole different breed of game? I would say it's, it's basically similar. I think... I coached the way I was coached, and I think the way, and it, it all comes back from being brought up in sports. You're coached yeah. a certain way, and you pick and choose from how you've been taught. So the way I teach somebody who's brand, brand new is completely different than the way I would teach Brandon, because Brandon's 
he's a purple belt. He yeah. Knew, all I have to do is give him, hey, these are the three keys. Yeah. You can figure it out. Somebody else, make it a step-by-step process. It doesn't have to be John Donaher broken down. Right. But Preferably you have, not. Prefer, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have four and a half days to break it down. But here's the do's. Here's the don'ts. Mess with it. Let's see where you have problems or issues. Yeah. So kind of the same way you can take that, and I take that in business all the time, like whether it be negotiating a contract or coming up with a marketing plan, like here's what I want to do, here's what I'm willing to give, here's what I want, let's figure out how we can make it together and make it good for all of us. So take those same concepts basically wherever I go. That's so cool. How are you? Um, so you're at Performex. Mm-hmm. We have not even mentioned where you're at yet, have we? No. <laughs> no. Not so you're hardly. at Performex, which is where? Brownsburg. Thank Brownsburg. you. Brownsburg, Brownsburg, Indiana. Brownsburg, Indiana. It's a good gym. Good. After we, remember, we were originally in Avon. Yeah. A, a long, long time ago. Brandon was the OG. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Well, so it hurt. Me and Triangle are the OGs. Yeah. What is he still go? I haven't seen him. No, so he goes long. to Tim's. I know. I've seen him at Tim's. He got his brown belt finally. He got his brown belt. About Who? damn time. Triangle Eric. Oh, yes. Well, I've he, heard of he, this. So he came in a week before that and we were rolling. And I go, oh, look, we're the same. And then he wrecked me. I was like, he fucking, fucking sandbagger. Piece of shit. What? When you, you know, he's got. I can't believe. And he was telling me this. His daughter's five now, and he didn't have a daughter when we were all training together. Shut the fuck up. I just, it make me feel old. It's like, damn it. <laughs> Remember when he used to bring the little playpen for her? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah. who we're talking about? Yes. yes. I remember. Yes. Holy oh shit. Oh, my God. Dude, because... Uh, well, Jesus Christ. You were there when that gym started in the back of an Anytime Fitness. We so used to get the mats out. I, I went there for maybe one or two classes, but I didn't start until we were at the... The Avon, the, the Avon, the one across from Panda. So Shit, that man. was like, or that was like January of fourteen. Fuck. Or December of thirteen. Why? I know. <laughs> oh, it's, like it's been so long. Why is it so long ago? Why do I still suck at this? Uh. I think about that every day. I go to the gym. I'm like, why am I still here? I'm just That's, hurt. Yeah. What? <laughs> Shit, yeah, because man, the old gym we used to have to get the mats out at the closet and lay them down and, and lay not them work, down. and not hit the the gla- the mirrors on the wall. Shit, man, what happened to some of those guys? Didn't uh... so it was it was you, it was Triangle, was Boston there? Yes. So Boston was there. Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones. Uh, Big Jake. Big yeah. Steve. Boston moved to Muncie, so he had just started coming back a couple months ago, and then he and his wife got a new job. They moved to Muncie, so they're either going to go to Muncie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or go to Herlocks. They're kind of right in the middle. Okay. Um, Eric trains like once or twice a month. And He's kills everybody. Still better than everybody else. Still an asshole. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff hasn't. Jeff hasn't trained for a long time. I would love to get Jeff to come back. Yeah, he, uh, well, he started that, like, landscaping business or whatever. He's just, he was all, even when he was training, he was just always busy and always working. And well, yeah, because he had, um, he worked at the Target Distro for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then he was, like, 
mowing lawns and stuff like that and started finally got like enough to like do it on his own which is fucking cool but being a business I mean you know yeah. owning, owning your shit owning the so business shit it's just, it's, yeah. you're gonna suck up a lot of time and the only dude that you know hadn't had a point scored on him from white belt to purple belt yeah he's a son of a bitch yeah <laughs> and he was my size that really sucked like when I first started cause he was the only person my size and everybody else was 200 pounds and everybody else was big yeah uh, so I was like so I either get the, the gargantuan or I get the collegiate wrestler <laughs> great <laughs> I think I think Big Steve went to Thames for a little bit. I don't think he's trained in a long time, and I think Jacob Jacob kind of retired after he got married. Yeah, which happens. That happens to all of us. Yeah. Um, who else was it? Brian Brian Portwood. Brian Portwood. He showed up to the Avon gym like once. Yeah. He was kind of OG. Then, like as soon as he moved to the first gym, he like cut out. Yeah. And I think his I think his wife had some health issues. I think um. that was part of it also. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I, I look back on it and like some of like the old like photos of like just just people I've trained with, and I'm like, who's that guy? Yeah. You know, some of them I'm like I remember that dude. What what happened? You exactly. Know? I you know I, I talked to some of them and I said you should come back. I want to. Okay, let's do that. Just, just come come in. <laughs> then right? fucking come yeah, back. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I gotta get in shape first. No, you don't. No, you don't. Trust me. Have you been to jujitsu? Like, it doesn't no. matter how in shape you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. You don't need to. Yeah. We all become pretzels. <laughs> it's gonna suck regardless. Yeah. Just show up. That's crazy. What? Soft and salty. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm gonna be soft, salty, and full of all the Mexican supplements. Yes. I'm just trying to get juice to the game. Listen. <laughs> I want to look like that Israeli dude that was at. Indy, the brown belt that beat Brad and Yoshi. Oh, God. Did you see the picture of that uh-uh. guy? Who was just... So, I saw him Saturday for gi, and I was like, man, that guy's pretty big. Took his gi off, and it's just like... He had ne- an S on his chest? His neck <laughs> neck started at the top of his ears. Oh, my fucking God. 12-pack, just all body, all natty team. Jesus. And then, no gi... His rash guard was basically just like sucked into himself, and he just was just a monster. I was just like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm, I don't want any part of that." <laughs> well, you know that that meme. It's like there are two body types in jujitsu, and it's either like the really fat guy or it's a really jacked dude. It's like, gonna end up looking like the beanbag chair that somebody sat in. <laughs> that guy. What the fuck? Hundred <laughs> percent. All natty, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. Some of that, he looks like he. Uh, okay, so like Francis Nagano, those kind of guys, you know, it's like you know, like where they're just eating the D bowl sandwiches for for lunch. That's all the acai all the time. That's got, that has to be the secret. I I we were, we went through a stint where we ate acai like once a week, mm-hmm. and I think. I think my lapel game was a little bit better. And your and your uh, deadlift went up three hundred pounds. <laughs> I told you, I said I want to eat more acai, and you're like, oh, "Now we know the secret. Yeah. We need to get back on our game." Mm-hmm. That should have been it. Like, it's gotta be. But do you have to have Brazilian make it? Is that part of the issue? At least package it. I'm Chilean. Okay. Does that count? It's like it's right close next enough. Door. It's close enough. I gotta have something. It's close enough. <laughs> it's right next door. It's like when, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, that used to train with us at the Avon gym was, uh, 
who's either Argentinian or Chilean. Talking about Felipe? Felipe. He's Chilean. 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 Yeah. So it's like, you know, he's close enough. He's our closest person. Yeah. He's so close. I, I love training with him. Yeah, it was like, I felt like I was like really, like really doing jiu-jitsu when I trained with Felipe. <laughs> so you do all this weird stuff and I'm just like, I'm trying to survive. Yeah, like, I pass. I passed his leg because yes. he he would always do like some wild shit in the gi. Yeah, and he was yeah. doing lapel stuff before I even knew what lapel stuff was. Yeah, yeah, he was some. I wish he didn't move. Yeah, he was he was a good training partner. He was he was my new Jeff. Whenever Jeff left and he was mm-hmm. there, because again we were the same size, so we'd always get to work together. Man. So that's another guy. I'm like, damn, what happened to that guy? And then little Jared went on to bigger and better things. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, the little boy we used to just torment. Remember when he was a short, fat kid? Man. Yes. When it was fun. When I could beat him? Those were the days. Steve would make him cry working out. and He was so annoying. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, Steve. Steve literally has his um, restaurant right down the street from us. Yeah, he works at Rooster. Nice. He, I thought, yeah, he, he works there. I've, but we never get to go in there. I trained with... I, Steve was one of my first training partners when I first started martial arts. Yeah, because he was at ISU. He was at yeah. ISU. He was one of the assistant strength coaches. And A so friend I, of mine went to ISU and did some of his like combative stuff there. And that's how I first met him, was when I would go hang out there with, with them. And then and I got to meet him out there. So that was Whacked cool. me in the head. We were Filipino stick fighting. Yeah. Beat me over the head. Um, years ago, some of my first like experiences with... with MMA and stuff was when they used to have the fights at ISU and uh, my friend um, she owned uh, Kamikaze Karate the the, the mm-hmm. shop out there mm-hmm. I get to help her run a table one time so we got front row seats to the shit show to, let's see who and the the main event would be like Dustin the Beast niece versus somebody there would be like one or two people that actually kind of knew how to fight and then the rest of it was just like Literally Tra- training in their backyard, punching and kicking trees. There was, and a, yes. there, was, there was a group called Beast Mode. Yeah, the Shane Shane Edmonds team. Yeah, and I remember them. They wore gym shorts. Yeah, they are. <laughs> that was like that's back in the old ECF days. Yes, and ICF and oh, the the days where I would have to I would travel all around the state with McManus going to like the Bloomington Armory or. The Lawrenceburg Armory, or some oh, rat Lord. hole to watch, to watch MMA, or corner somebody, or drive to. I drove. It's like bingo on Monday nights and Tuesday nights. It's fucking all I, up. Bro, some kid called me that trained with me for like, I don't know, a couple months, and wanted me to corner him at Hook and Shoot in Evansville, and I was like, oh, no. wasn't that? Uh, for a while, wasn't that kind of a big promotion? It was. I mean, it was a giant promotion back in the late mid. 90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s. Yeah, when I first started fighting, because um, I took a fight before I started, like, that's when I was training with my friend in Terre Haute, mm-hmm. you know, and I took a fight with the uh, Mad Wolf Productions. You remember that at the yep. Wyndham? That was uh, Michael. Uh, Michael, what's his name? I, I know who you're talking about, but who ran that promotion? You know, his last name was Wolf, I thought, because it was called Mad Wolf Production or something like that. Mad or Wolf somebody else who was or, involved with it heavily too. Yeah, uh, but the guy that the guy that actually like had the namesake, he was a really cool dude. Because I remember getting my nose broke, and he like he covered everything. It was real chill. He goes, "You're one fight for me, again. Come back, no problem." You know, he's a super nice guy. 
Well, um, the first time I met you, you were fighting at eight seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I met you in the back. Like, Midwest Fight Series, mid- yo. Yes. yes. I met you like ten minutes before you went in the cage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That... Because I was there with Scummy Jeff. Not Jeff Jones, but but we call White Jeff, Scummy Jeff. I was like, what are we doing here? And that's when they were kind of like redoing the inside. So the warm-up area was like covered in plastic. Yeah, because the warm-up area was what used to be the nightclub. Mm -hmm. And uh, is 8 Seconds even like... I think still. Is it still going? I I think they've redone it, kind of. That was a fun place to have fights. Because I've been there a few times. I had a friend from high school that started fighting out there. Mm -hmm. And um, so I I went out there, you know, just to watch him and stuff. And it was just... It was an experience. Oh, it was. I would so the big ones, the big cards that I would always go to was ECF and ICF, and then if you could get a group of people, you'd go up to Coliseum. Yeah, Coliseum would be like an all all day. You'd want to see all the card. Yeah. Back then, that was that was really really good fighting, and then the scrubby ones were the ECF cards, the ICF. Cards. Yeah, a- Elite Cage. Because I'm trying to think, who was it that? Um... He was, he called it, what's his name, Zach, uh, what's his name? He In his interview, he said he does Zach Jitsu. <laughs> I cornered I cornered my buddy James McClugan at a fight there. It was his first MMA fight. They required no blood work. <laughs> I think all you had to do was have a physical... They had one fight on the card where the one guy was 184 pounds and the other guy was like 220. God. It was it was just scummy. <laughs> it was greatest nights of my life. Yeah, I remember one of the times I ran a, ran that table, somebody literally came up and he grabbed the mouth guard and he looks at it and he goes, Is this okay? Look at it like the ref or one of the officials. He goes, Yeah, and he goes, Okay, I'm gonna buy it. Like he just bought the mouth guard that day. I'm like, bro, you are not prepared. For this. Well, I fought. I fought uh, Richard McLean down in Sullivan, and his brother was on the undercard. And after his brother fought, I watched him grab his cup out of his shorts and give it to Richard, and Richard <laughs> oh put it in his god. shorts. Oh my god! Like, dude, I am. Then that makes you think of like, was it Waterboy when they didn't have the fundings? Yeah. <laughs> Here, you can borrow my helmet. Uh, like, you start uh, wearing two different shorts, too. Like, oh, oh, God. God, those are the good old days. Oh, my God. <laughs> I Yeah, that's that's funny. Before everything was sanctioned. Now it's, Yeah, because like, the, the fight I had at eight seconds, it was one of the ones where, uh, honestly, I think they should still do this, where if you've got zero to three fights, you can't... do the opt rules where you can't ground and you pound. You can't ground and pound and things like that. Because, I mean... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a fight, but also some of those guys, like... Have no business being in you there. You should not be in there doing mm-hmm. that thing. Like, you're gonna die. Like, sure. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's delusion or something else. Like, we've had, we've had a couple people that have come by Performex who, quote-unquote, want to be fighters. And, and they're gonna take you to the cage in six months. Well, they find out real quick during kickboxing, not kickboxing class, but sparring sparring class on Tuesdays like 
I don't want to be fighter anymore. Like, yeah. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Like, if I leg, if I leg kick you five times and you fall down and start crying, what? You're not going to be a fighter. Yes. Yes. We. I had a a gentleman tell everybody in the gym that he came to perform X. He wanted to be an MMA fighter. So I'm training him in kickboxing. And I can tell that it's not his thing. So he asked me, he's like, hey, you want to come to sparring tomorrow? I was like, sure, if you want, I'll spar with you, sure. So it's me, Drew Link, you know Drew, mm-hmm. and this guy, and, you know, we're sparring. Drew goes with him. Drew's way more technical than I am, so Drew's, like, foot-sweeping him and throwing him to the ground. And guy comes out at me, jab, I let him jab me back. I throw a leg kick, and it kind of buckled and kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, okay, kind of got him, so sparring, I hit him with another leg kick, rolling it, and I'm not like, I'm not whacking the guy, I'm hitting him with about 40% shots because he's brand new. Well, after about the fifth leg kick in a three minute round, he falls down, and he's like, ah, oh. well, I helped him up, I was like, I don't know, it's all good, it's all good, he goes over, sits to the side, me and Drew are, are sparring, and then he walks out on the mat mid-sparring session, and goes, I want you to know I'm not crying because because it hurt. I'm crying because I don't I I've never been beat up like that. It's like uh, I said, all right, man. Uh-huh. Like no, it, it's all good. So I come to class the next day. Get ready to teach kickboxing, a cardio kickboxing class, and he comes in. And right before I start class, everybody's out on the mat. He goes, you know what? I was sick about yesterday, and I think you were bullying me. And you were trying oh my to, God. and I look at Roberto, and I look at Jake. I'm just like, I look back at him. I said, "Bro, this is not cardio kickboxing. This was sparring. You come in and you want to tell everybody that you want to be an MMA fighter, and you can't do a couple three minute rounds at fifty percent." Start crying, and this and that. And Roberto had to take him out to the other room, kind of explain to him what's going on. We've had a couple other, you know, muscle head guys that want to come in and throw punches. And yeah, it's all fun and games when you don't know what you what you're doing. Everybody has a plan until, they <laughs> until get Drew hit. Link puts his leg up in the air and head kicks you, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" What was it? Um, this is back when, before uh, Hawk and Roberto bought it, mm-hmm. and this one like young kid came in, and he was like, he's a skinny fucker too. He would just show up and he said, or no, maybe maybe they just bought it, and it, it was before Aubrey left though. Cause remember Aubrey had to yell at him because he like walked on the mat with his shoes. And like he said, he wanted to box. I'm like, well, we don't have boxing. He's like, but I'm a boxer. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. What the fuck is he that? He didn't guy? last very long. No, because it just stupid shit. He, well, the back at the old gym in Avon. So I was training for the my Coliseum Combat fight that didn't happen. And I'm sitting on the mat. I'm kind of just got done with a workout. In comes this dude who is. Jim Tan Laundry to the max. Like <laughs> he is Jersey Shored. Super dark skin tan, has the no regrets tattoo, the neck tattoo type, the spiky gelled hair, and he walks in and tells Justin, he goes, Yeah, yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna fight. I wanna take my jujitsu to the cage in six months. 
And Justin I goes, hate it when they always say like six months, bro. Like what the fuck? Just, Justin goes, well, you can go train with Caleb. He's getting ready for a fight, and it was a five minute round. I think it tapped him like 13, 14 times. And this guy's probably weighed two thirty five, and I was cutting seventy at the time. <laughs> he never came back, and then like a year down the road. He's fighting in Coliseum combat, claiming Performex. Oh. And gets his ass destroyed. I think I remember seeing, because wasn't he wearing like the shorts or something? Like he, 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 or he had. He had something. He had something from. But like we messaged Mark. A bumper sticker? And we messaged Mark and we were <laughs> like, this, this dude is not part of our gym. And then. Message the guy and be like, "Don't you ever claim performance if you never train here again?" And oh no, no, I'm sorry, man. This and that. It's like back when I was at ISU and you know Southern Indiana, everybody wants to be a fighter, but nobody wants to be a fighter. So when I was training with Dave Man Man McManus was the big dog down there, light heavyweight, heavyweight, just Jack strength coach of Indiana State. Blevins was down there. Like we had a good team called Team Madman. And it was, you know, because we had all the athletes from the school and this and that. We'd train and we'd roll deep and everybody wanted to be a part of this team. So everybody started claiming it and they would never train with us. So it's like, dude, like, don't, don't do that bullshit. Like, I don't claim to be like part of Team Donaher and I've never, you know. Yeah, no shit. Like, we went and trained. Where the fuck did we train over in California? Uh, Kings. We yeah, Kings. Kings. we went and trained at well, Kings. We trained, we, trained at, we trained at Kings and we trained at Wildcard. Oh, that's what it was. You know, we, yeah. we, it, but once. Yeah. Like, we didn't <laughs> and, claim. That. And even at Wildcard, like, a, a random guy held pads for me. Yeah. And and that was it. You know? And, yeah, at Kings, we took an actual kickboxing class with mm-hmm. Adolfo Guerrero, which is fucking dope. Fun as fuck. He's a super chill dude. He's super cool. Um, but yeah, I don't. He's not my coach. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, when I was in Vegas once. I went to Cobra Kai when it was Drysdale's gym. I was like, I'm not under Robert Drysdale. Man. Or maybe I go to Tenth Planet. And go to <laughs> Tenth Planet, buy a rash guard, say you're part of the team. Because that's the thing, though. Some of those places get so big, you can just buy their shit. Online. Well, that's and, and that's kind of you know good and bad. Like if like I will, I love to wear everybody's gear because yeah. Yeah. it's jujitsu. Like, yeah, I, to me, it's kind of like when athletes exchange jerseys, we exchange rash guards like Sloan. Sloan came, did a seminar. Yeah. You get the, the good squad man. hoodie. Yeah. The yeah. good squad stuff. Like we go, like I bought, um, like Abe and Cole would be like, I got an, uh, an At- Atos rash guard. I found it on eBay for like 10 bucks. I was like, you know, I just like Atos cause I like Andre Galvo when I first started out. So, you know, kind of like getting those rash guards, maybe like gyms or people that you know, guys that you like and representing those from those gyms. Like, that's cool to me. It's like some people are super traditional where you got to wear all your stuff and you can only wear this, 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 Fuck and this. That. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. And I just, I like to do jujitsu. Well, it's such a small circle for sure. too that, you know, it's like. We're all friends. Yeah. And especially in, like, when you get to, like, Indiana and the other oh smaller God, states, smaller, yeah. you know everybody. Yeah. Like, even if I don't know them, I know the name. Yeah. You know? So. There was dudes coming up to me at the at Indy that I was like, I've, I've never trained with, but I know who they are, and we, like, kind of interact with each other for a little bit. But, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu is such a small community here. It's, 
Like, why wouldn't I rep, you know, Kerlock's Gym or Naptown yeah. or, oh, yeah. or Kessler's or like, you know. I mean, especially considering all of us, so many of us, like our affiliates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I DJ, but Indiana is all one Clearman affiliate. <laughs> basically, I mean, you got, you got your outliers, but it's all basically a Clearman school. Those are the, socks. the dog has my socks. I'm gonna grab them. <laughs> oh. What do you? What are you looking to do with performance now that you have that you're coaching there and stuff like that? Do you? Do, you said you do a a cardio kickboxing class. So I teach cardio kickboxing teach the MMA class, um, kind of rotate on, I started teaching more no-gi when Jake blew his knee out. Mm-hmm. Now that Jake's kind of starting to recover, um, we're kind of, Jake doesn't want to fully coach because if you coach, you have to give up that training. Yeah. So we're looking at kind of like doing like a four-man rotation when it comes to no-gi of you know, because we have some great competitors. We have Jake Hockenberry, Cole Brandt, Abe Hall. Like, we got some great guys that do some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so kind of like rotating all four of us, training off of, so here's what we're doing. This is how we're going to all of us base our things off of. And then Roberto teaches our gi class. Um, and then we got a wrestling class on Sundays that, you know, we got five division one wrestlers in our which is stupid wrestling yeah. dumb I hate it I'm pulling, pulling guard so 100% of the time <laughs> just bicep curls and pulling guard uh, <laughs> when is a so you, you said you have an MMA class now yeah Fridays from 6 to 7.30 okay so it's it's a little because started getting those guys that wanted to do MMA that come mm-hmm. to the kickboxing class and I can't run a kick cardio kickboxing class for you know a 50 year old woman who's trying to lose weight then I same way that a 18 year old kid who wants to get in the cage I can't run it the same mm-hmm. way so that Friday is based on you know a fight how are you going to train for a fight mm-hmm. like you got an hour and a half what's fighting cardio mm-hmm. a lot of cardio a lot of doing shit that you don't want to do a lot of picking stuff up with the techniques you don't train MMA you train the core basics and we have those all throughout the week you have your kickboxing so you have your striking you have your jiu-jitsu gi and no gi you have your wrestling now in the MMA class we put it together you know we get some guys to come in you get you know you get Drew Link you get Nick Hyde you get all kinds of monsters that come in once in a while you get Dustin Parrish come I remember when I got was it when I my birthday. Dustin was in there teaching, came over. Dustin Parrish, who's head coach at ATT in Indy. Now, he's a great wrestler. He's black belt. I was like, oh, man. Somebody found out it was my birthday. And I got shark tanked. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> so I got like Jake, Abe, Cole, oh, Dustin, God. Tommy. like Everybody who's 200 pounds and up was there <laughs> that night. I was just like, oh, just like Godzilla Shark Tank. That's like Sharknado Shark Tank. Well, you know, it's like at one point we had Monday and Wednesday was everybody who was like 200 pounds and under. Yeah. Tuesday and Thursday we had nobody who was less than 210 pounds. Just like for some reason we we attract certain days that there's just certain yeah. We just attract bulky lunkheads who like jujitsu. I think that's just like the Midwest though because like it feels the same way in Naptown where it's just like 
Where are these people fucking coming from? What are they eating? What are they eating and how do they build houses they to so fit big? these people? Uh, officially thick boy jujitsu right. around here. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, and every time someone else comes in, we're like, they're a wrestler. And we're like, Ugh. Yeah, Bord always makes people introduce themselves. And then they'll be like, my name's blah, blah, blah. I, uh, I'm, I'm this old. I've never done jujitsu. And he go, tell them the rest. I'm a four-time <laughs> national champion from the University right, of right. Minnesota. I beat Brock Lesnar twice. Right. <laughs> or like, like one guy, his name's Cameron. He's my size. But so he's, he's a the fucking, sweetest guy. He's a fucking D1 wrestler. Yeah, he's a he's savage. And he beats the shit out of me. And I'm like, but why, though? <laughs> So, funny story. So, during during the winter, yeah, it was during the winter because it was dark outside and it was snowing. So, a guy comes walking in the gym and we're getting ready to do some nogi. And it sounds like the start of a joke. Well, so. I look at him from a distance and he looks, you know, rugged, older guy, bald, and he kind of has like if he kind of has like a, a Russian type complex. It's like, man, that, that dude kind of... Look, and then he gets a little closer and you see the ears. Mm. And it's just like, oh, this is going to be He bad. has no ears. Then Jake walks over to me as I'm teaching kickboxing. He goes, hey, this Russian guy just walked in. I don't know what he's saying, <laughs> but he wants to train tonight. Okay, cool. So he comes and trains with us. Soon as we locked up, I went, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm six one two fifteen. We locked, and he's smaller than I am. We locked up, and I went, oh, "I'm gonna go for a ride." And he proceeded to beat the brakes off me. And come to find out, he's a truck driver, and he runs out of Philly, and he makes stops, and was stopping at the O'Reillys over there, and saw there was a gym over here, and came over and came in. Looked him up. Oh, he was on the Russian national wrestling team, and he's also like, uh, like Aaron. What Aaron did, he represented Russia in the national grappling yeah. championships. Oh, no, no, he's big, he's no yeah, he's you know Shit. a lot Casual. better than I was. <laughs> All I know is he put me in a heel hook, and we just locked eyes, and I went, "Fine, you can have it. I don't care. It's my, <laughs> it's my gym." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's fun. I love those stories of those guys who walk off the street and it's just like, man, they're. You see the ears and it's a dead giveaway. And it's like, fuck. This, was, gonna this kill was me. just about to be an easy night and it's not. I really to be. wasn't feeling it today. And <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> was, so, who else was in there? Somebody else was in there when Jake had just. After Jake blew his knee out. And Jake's like, oh, I want to grapple with this guy. I was like, Jake. You can't even move your knee. Next day, I'd like turn around for two seconds. Jake's on the mat, like locking up with this guy. I'm like, dude, you have one leg. Like, you need to stop. It's not going to end well. He comes out. He's like, oh, dude, my leg is so sore. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> like, you can wait. Like, they'll come back. They'll come back. I, that's hard. That is so hard. Yeah. It is. I mean, it happens with everybody. I get it. I mean, if anybody of that caliber, my size, ever would show up. <laughs> So, what my legs broken? You or, know, or like the dude last night in the fight, my elbows what the and, fuck flopping around. Like, oh my so god! Disgusting. And he's just sitting there like, hmm, huh? 
I'm not tapping, but uh, I can't move my arms. <laughs> the referee's just like, fight back. Show me something. I am. And Look then, at those arms. And then he stayed in the cage to do the interview, like holding his arm up. Like, yeah. bro. Go, go to the hospital. Medical attention. Like, yeah. now. I heard like, that they popped it back in place. Well, so it was just, I'm sure, dislocated and tore everything in there, but there's tough and then there's stupid like <laughs> do they sometimes go hand in hand was that the guy with the uh with the oven mitt thumbs up tattoos on his chest <gasps> uh, what i was did looking you see that hard ta- but i desperately want to see the dude had the tattoos that were like this and they look like <laughs> i was telling Tommy because we were watching a fight it looked like a spatula with a thumb was, <laughs> like, tattoo artist you had to get those in prison because those were like 20 dollar tattoos hamburger right? helper like, oh no! You got tapped out for those tattoos. I'm sorry. Uh, that's hilarious. That's so gross. Oh my god! Shit. So what's uh? So what's next? Anything new coming up? Uh, coming up, I'm going racing two weeks. I'm going to Norwalk, Ohio, which is only five hours from Indy. Um, the best place, Norwalk, Ohio. You get up. <laughs> pound of ice cream for a dollar at the racetrack. Okay, so we're going to go to that because I want to go and I see a race Ohio, and I love but, ice cream. Yeah, I hate Ohio too. But, I hate Ohio too, but ice cream. I well, love that. We, we race in Indy on Labor Day weekend. So we, okay. we race or August 31st through September 4th, I think. That I won't ask for your autograph and be creepy. You should. You should just stand out back. Bring signs. <laughs> so... So one of my crew guys, hilarious guy, his name's Kyle McAvoy. So his family all was from Ohio, and we thought it would be funny. So I told his told his family, I was like, "Hey, just you should bring like a cheering section for Kyle." So, <laughs> so we're we're getting ready to go up to walk up to the starting line, and I look up, and you can hear the family. I and mean, there's forty thousand people there, but you can hear the family. You look up, and there's. Like seven people with giant cardboard cutout fat heads of Kyle's face yes. up in the crowd. I'm like, that's so amazing. Yes, we have to do that. So we'll just get your face and your cat's face and we'll put them together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd totally be down for that. We'll be like, your cat loves you and we also love like, you. Who are those people? Like, I've never seen them I'm in my fucking life. <laughs> sure, man. I'd love to sign your baby. <laughs> I told you, Brandon, don't get in my way when I'm in autograph mode. <laughs> uh, but no, we got Warren. We got Warren Brooks coming to the gym um, on the 19th, which is next Saturday, and teach how to be big and strong and break people. Nice. This is just to eat more. Well, is that the whole seminar? He's lost a lot of weight. Is it a buffet? You just gonna eat? <laughs> it's actually sponsored by Ponderosa. Ooh. <laughs> Thick boy jujitsu one on one. So I'm going to learn how to be heavies, hurt people's, break foots, all kinds of cheeky foot locks. Any man who taught Bobby Evans how to grapple is probably kind of good. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> one day one day I'll have a body like his, too. Shit. Probably not. One day you'll be 45 and be shredded. Won't, I won't look like that, though. <laughs> yeah, your ears might be a little smaller. <laughs> as long as I got the abs, that's all I <laughs> What about for you personally? Are you doing any jujitsu competing? I don't know. I, I got to look at it because I don't know. It all depends on what my personal race schedule is going to be. Because normally, like, 
you know, we go to Ohio, then we'll have a week off. Then we go to Denver, Sonoma, California, Pomona, California. Then we get race back in Ohio. Then we go to Kansas, up to Minnesota. Then we got a week off and we're in Indy. Then we go to Pennsylvania, Charlotte, St. Louis. And then I think we start, then we go to Texas, back to Vegas, and then California one more time. So it all depends on kind of like how much I'm going to be needed at the track this year. So if we if we start winning a little bit, probably hopefully less of me, and then I can stay home and train some more. So the kind of the beginning of this year has kind of been nice because I've been able to stay at home a lot. I've only got to go to three races, but I got to stay home and train. Got ready for Indy pretty quick. I got a month to do that. and I did the Fuji at the beginning of the year. So, you know, if there's some here or there that pop up, maybe. Maybe look at Masters World since it's at the – November would be the same time as the last race. If I'm in California, I'm only five hours from Vegas. Yeah, you're so, right there. Fuck it. Yeah. So that's easy. But just see how it all plays out and take it day by day and try to stay in shape as best as I can. Go out there and, you know, just have fun. That's what it's about. No one's paying me to do jujitsu, so. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay to get in the tournaments. Yeah, yeah shit. Yeah, so unless yeah. somebody's giving me a couple thousand dollars or something like that, like, I'll take it serious, but I'm not like. I'm not breaking my arm for, uh, yeah, for, shit. You know your twenty dollar medal. <laughs> Are they even twenty dollars? Not even that. I don't even think they're twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some down there. I, I probably couldn't even buy my groceries with all the ones I had. If I, <laughs> I mean, there's not that many of them. If that says anything, <laughs> I'll take my medals and go paint them gold if you want me to. <laughs> Can't have silver and bronze forever. Shit, I know. One day. One, One day. day we'll get that gold One day medal. Be good. That gold-plated medal. One day we'll be good. My bronze looks gold. I'll just tell everybody it's gold. Who cares? It's, it's fine. Don't worry about this. Yeah, that little guy? Don't worry about that little guy. You don't have to worry about that little guy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're... Uh... Shit, we're heading on like an hour 20. This has been a good podcast. Hey, you've actually got some intelligent things to say despite the way you act sometimes. That's right. <laughs> can't be intelligent all the time. I throw you off my cover. <laughs> Thank you. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, much. thank you for coming out. This is super fun. Bye, everybody.